Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, guys, welcome to episode two of the hunt series, keeping it going as best that I can and coming at you just from from Wyoming and trying to keep my head above water. (laughs) um my goodness it is everything's uh about peak full swing here um you know my work gets busy this time of year um hunt classes and trainings that we help with and you know just by nature a lot of guys are you know need to get their gun ordered or need to get their uh ammo i guess is more realistic or you know, need to get a turret uh, recalibrated or whatever it is. And um, so that's busy with work. Just got back from a trip that I'll talk about. And so, yeah, the backpack food business. Um, geez, I, <laughs> I'm uh, not sure what I've got myself into. But the good news is I love it. My wife loves it. It's just like our... You know, it's kind of our evening uh, hobby. We'll put a baseball game on is what I like to watch and uh, box up orders. And, you know, now we're (laughs) up until a few weeks ago, we were keeping up with any new orders. um, And now it's to the point where uh, we're we can't clean the slate every single night. Uh, There's a backup enough of, you know, enough orders that. um you know, we have to roll some to the next morning or the next day or whatever. So thank you. We are still, still in that 24 to 48 hour shipping, uh, for sure. And, you know, just like anything else, if you are worried or not sure, you know, so I, I would say five days, if you've put an order in and you need it sooner than five days, uh, let me know, hit me up ahead of time. Either on Instagram is probably the quickest if you don't have my cell. Uh, my number is on the website, so you can call me directly on my cell. But, um, yeah, if you're if you're looking for something, you know, if it's Tuesday and you leave Friday, you need to hit me up so that, you know, A, we can get expedited shipping, and B, I can make sure that that order gets pushed um, out, right? Uh, we don't – we're small enough. We still have the ability to – you know, maneuver orders around and everybody's going to get their stuff in time anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been very, very, I don't know what the word is, very humbling, very exciting, very, uh, I love it. I love, I love, I love backpacking. I love food. I love putting backpack food together for people. I love the whole thing. So, uh, up front here, if you still need to order, now is the time. Please get your orders in. You know, most of these food items, aside from maybe the B-hole sandwiches, they can sit for, you know, weeks, right? Bars and 
you know, a Snickers bar and a mac and cheese and a peak refuel and, you know, Kate's and anything else you're going to put in there besides the, the fresh stuff, um, you know, with the bagel, they can sit for weeks. So why not get it in now? Right. This is the reason we have that service is so once you think about it, boom, you can put your five, six, eight, ten uh, bags of food order in. It'll be shipped. Give yourself a few day or a week window or a couple week window or whatever hunts. I know you guys have some big hunts coming up here in September. So, uh, again, thank you. Promo code podcast should get you 20% off of your order, I believe. Um, but wanted to give that to you up front just in case you don't want to listen to all the crap I'm about to talk about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so season's here man like it's it's crazy right every year this is what we build up to and then you know you just for so many months there march april may june like you just think it's never gonna come back around or it's just slow rolling but then all of a sudden uh you know wyoming archery deer on the early hunts opens this weekend i've people have already had the antelope tags and people have already killed mule deer in other states and stuff obviously but for us or for me here in Wyoming that September 1st and then specifically the September 15th opener for the mule deer is you know that's really the that's like the the opening bell really for me um so yeah I've got And sorry, I'm I'm driving. That's that's where I'm at in life. Is I I will podcast and get these out, but it's gonna be on my, you know, forty five minute commute into town for work, my day job. So, anyway, um, yeah, I've got I've got nothing. I have no tags of any significance, no tags really um, that I've drawn other than. One, I will say that I do have one Wyoming antelope tag. Um, anyway, so the, this this deer hunt, I mean, I've always talked about this, and you guys that follow me know that I, <laughs> I kind of secretly always wanted a season like this where I literally had nothing else but the Wyoming deer hunt, you know, and then obviously a over-the-counter elk, but this is, it's happening for real, and and I'll talk more about that with the, um, you know, with like the places that I've been able to get tags in the past. Um, this is just a sign of the times, right? Nevada, and and this isn't necessarily the change in demand uh, per se, but this is just the change in the system. But well, for example, though Colorado, um, you know, there were significantly less returned leftover turnback tags uh for the you know even the even the initial one that has the bulk of them built up uh when they had their return tag draw significantly less tags you could just tell you could feel that people know how valuable tags are when times are going like this i feel like people are just going to naturally hold on to tags that they might have turned back in years past. Maybe, you know, they're used to picking up their whatever Colorado tag 
and then but then they could also always go get an over-the-counter Idaho tag or something and now they can't do that and so you know because that gets harder and it you know um, pinball effects and now they're going to keep their Colorado tag and so it's call I've noticed just from last year to this year Colorado leftover draws uh, where I've been able to get multiple tags over the last three four years or whatever it's been like extremely less quantity available um, there was still a few good tags and I did try it wasn't ideal I was on the road and so you know it's just different when you're getting those tags and you're you're like in your you're at your home court on your home computer or your work computer that you spend all your time on and I was like traveling at my grandparents and on my laptop and that's just a recipe for not gonna you know those those some of those good tags that I was after they go in you know microseconds so anyway um back to the original you know and 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 the nevada first come first serve right like i knew i told you guys it's not even worth your time to be honest um i sat on there for probably up you know off and on for two weeks during like you know when it when i could have a window open um on one screen and then you know working on the other and you know it just sits there dormant and nothing happens i mean there's just <laughs> when you take the overall pool of tags that would be returned and let's say to begin with you know 85 or 90 percent of them were residents and only 10 or 15 or 20 percent maybe were non-residents and then you um, divide that up and and only allow non-residents to get non-resident return tags especially on a year like this when it's epic off the charts moisture people are not turning tags back especially in any significant you know unit in the state of nevada you just you, unless you don't know what's going on or not aware and so i sat on there for two weeks saw one tag pop in a just completely random unit that I've never stepped foot in, never been in. I know there's probably deer there, but not the one that I'm at, you know, not a unit that I'm after. And so anyway, whether, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's really, <laughs> I'm kind of giving up on it. Um, you know, may still, uh, you know, may still try to pop on there later in the year when things cool down, but uh, I'm not too worried about it right now. So, <clears throat> so this is it. Season's here. I got one one main tag that I'm focusing on with a, you know, a sub tag of elk tag that I whatever. Right? If a if a big big bull is in the wrong place at the wrong time, then I might make it happen, but not what I'm going after. Uh, so that being said, uh, fine. You know, my my bow's been fine tuned. I would say for for months. Um, you know, but just like down to the, you know, the broadheads and everything. Like I've been, I've been shooting broadheads only for over a month now, you know, and just making sure because like I found, I mean, I started calibrating my broadheads and even severs, even severs, uh, mechanical, uh, was still, 
like at 70, I, I shoot a couple distances consistently, but like 77, I was running two yards long. And then anything under 60, I was about a yard long, right? So you can tell that there's slightly more drag and faster drop on the mechanicals. Even, you know, people say, oh, they shoot just like my field tips. Well, they probably do to 50 yards, um, and that's fine, you know. But also, I don't know if some people that say that can actually shoot well enough to know, right? Or, or they consider, you know, if it hits the entire 12-inch kill zone of the target or whatever then that's shooting the same as your field tips and that's just you know it's whatever it is what it is but you know i could tell a significant difference of two yards um and what i did or what i like to do with those is i put uh my foam target is it's a deer target and so it's you know that kind of light brown i took a black piece of athletic tape about a foot long or so and ran it, you know, horizontal across the middle of the kill zone. And that just, you know, because I'm not so worried about the left and right when I'm fine-tuning the broadhead uh, drop data, so to speak. And so that makes it, that takes a lot of the stress away because I, you know, now I'm just, I'm just worried about the up and down. Um, I don't have to really focus on where I'm at left and right. And I noticed a significant you know, two yard difference out past, you know, call it 70 yards or whatever. So, um, anyway, but everything's good there. Everything's dialed. I'm as dialed as I've ever been with a bow and got, uh, you know, a dozen. The only thing is I probably, I have a dozen identical arrows stacked up that are, you know, just same arrows that I've same, everything's the same setup that I am shooting currently. I just need to you know, one last little shoot each one of those and make sure there's not some weird flyer. Um, otherwise, I'll just hunt with the arrows that I have, too. So um, that goes for my rifle, too. So, you know, I I went through the the low development process with a new gun, a 25 Psalm. Um, and this is an extremely light rifle built specifically for ultralight backpack hunting mule deer not a thousand yard type long range gun probably but i don't know you know six eight hundred maybe perfect conditions right and i know that might seem i don't care what it seems it might seem unethical for you or some people or that might not seem far or whatever but this is like a this is a sub seven pound gun with the suppressor right so this is like a six and three six and three quarter pound gun um with a suppressor you know and scope obviously so you just it's it's tough right that's that's a recipe for you know you just don't have the um, effective range that you would regardless of the cartridge almost but um you know and and that being said like you know it got to the point where i knew that that load that i that i settled on could shoot you know, it, it's tough because if it doesn't shoot it, it doesn't shoot it. But I knew the load was there. Like, it, it was it was consistent. But I, I, I'll be honest, like, I couldn't hold, you know, much tighter than a minute angle, a minute angle at 100 yards consistently, right? I'd have, I'd have three shots in the same hole every once in a while. But consistently over, you know, I'm doing five-shot groups. 
it just got to the point where it was, you know, uh, just over a, a minute, just under a minute, just over, just under, right at, just under, just under, you know, and I finally got it where it was, you know, right at, right at, just under, right at, just under, just under. And, you know, and at some point uh, with that type of gun, especially, you know, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired almost of worrying about shooting groups at a hundred. It's almost the equivalent of, of focusing everything on your paper tune with a bow at six feet, right? It's great and it needs to be there and it obviously will affect how things happen downrange. But, um, you know, point in case, I, I finally, I took that gun and walked it out to distance. 400, I put three shots in an inch and a quarter on steel, you know, like, and then 600 too. My elevation was good at 635, I think it was. Um, I was chasing wind a little bit. And then out to like an 840 target and two, you know, almost touching within two inches at 840. And then one, you know, ran a little high, a minute high or so, Um, you know, but like it told me everything was, you know, the, 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 the irony is sometimes you'll shoot better relative to the distance. Um, then you will at a, you know, just trying to focus on shooting a little group at a hundred, especially with the ultralight gun, you know, you get out at distance, you're not, you're not micro focused on a tiny little dot and, you know, and it just, I don't know, at the end of the day, like I've said this before, there's shooters and there's killers and I'm, listen, I'm confident in myself. I know, you know, with, with a, with a shooter's gun, I can sit and shoot, you know, with the, not the best of them, but you know, I can shoot well enough, right? Um, but with that gun specifically, like min- minute of angle at 100 and then run that thing out and it's tracking data, elevation drop is basically dead nuts. Like, send it, right? I mean, you'll have more trouble calling the wind than you will keeping, you know, track of a minute of angle group at a, you know, 800 or whatever. So anyway... Got those done, you know, felt great about it. Loaded up, I don't know, 75 rounds identical like that, and away we go, right? Let's go kill a freaking mule deer. Um, speaking of mule deer, went on that one scouting trip early. Uh, I think on the episode with Kenneth uh, Thrall from Kafaru, we, were, we went in together uh, into a spot, you know, found found good bucks at the time they were like all these bucks this year they were a little lagging behind and so you know one or two bucks that you know when it's your only list or that is your hit list and so (laughs) um they're definitely on the hit list because i don't have any other lists but (laughs) um you know my point is is i just i thought i was gonna have one maybe two that was a white monster of course by the way you know you get funny it's like every time you start talking about mule deer a white monster gets cracked open i thought i was going to get out a couple more times and i just didn't life happened and i know right i've i've learned enough on these you know especially these recent podcasts these mule deer specific ones that you guys have been listening to that that hurts my chances immensely of finding you know an extremely big buck because i don't think i found an extremely big buck on that scouting trip i think i found a buck that i'll be happy to kill 
Um, you know, I, I think that Kenneth and I found a buck that might go 180 inches by the time he's done, right? Maybe a little better, but, um, you know, and that's, and that's good enough, right? That's better than going into the season with nothing. But, you know, <laughs> if you're after the next, next level, uh, I didn't find it, right? And, you know, for various reasons, and they're all just excuses, you know, you put priorities in front of priorities and all that, and that's life. But haven't been able to scout again. So uh, I do have, uh, I have to go down to Utah, and on my way down, I'm going to hunt the bow hunt. Uh, this weekend and you know that's really just half more it's more of a scouting trip than anything um it's the advantage of being a wyoming resident is you know and <clears throat> speaking of that we just at least wyoming residents i'm not sure if any non-residents get these or not but we just had this big survey come through you know and they're they're talking very specifically about mule deer and what how they want how you want to see them managed and what changes you want made and what you've seen and what you haven't seen and all this stuff right and um one of the things it asked was you know would you support or how willing would you be to support uh wyoming residents uh making them either you know one question was choose their choose a region um I'm all for it. I'll be straight up. I don't care right now, I'll be honest. Like I, if there was a vote statewide right now, I would choose that residents can still get their tags over the counter. Okay. Don't misunderstand me, but you just have to choose a region. Um, and I know, I know that's, you know, everyone's going to say, well, that's a slippery slope. And that's the first step to, you know, all of a sudden we're going to have all these, you know, maybe, maybe not, doesn't have to be, um, you know, now we're going to have all these, it's going to go from there to a draw or whatever. Limit, the whole state's going to be limited entry and we'll never get a hunt deer. You know, maybe, but I, I don't think so. Um, I don't, I really don't think so in Wyoming. I think that, you know, we have enough control and enough people with their heads on straight here that we could implement uh, making residents choose a region. You know, no different than non-residents draw a region. Residents have to choose a region and you have to, that's what you get. You know, because right now <laughs> I can go hunt region G and region H early as a resident on the same tag. If I don't kill, then I can go, I don't even know the region letters after that really, but I can go hunt the bighorns on October 15th and then I can go hunt outside of Cody uh, up until November. And then I can go hunt, you know, some of these, uh, you know, low country, uh, you know, plains and high desert and stuff, even later than that, you know? And so it just, at some point it becomes almost like a, you know, a hunter management, you know, uh, data thing, right. You have, and they don't require, that was another thing is they don't require a harvest report. And I was very strongly in favor of, requiring hunters to report harvest data or not harvest data or hunting, you know, hunt data in general, uh, because it's crazy, right? It's crazy that they don't know exactly who's where, when they're there, you know, who, how many hunters are actually here, how many bucks are actually getting killed from here or whatever. And maybe they don't care. Maybe they just, you know, they, they look at where the dust settles at the end of the year and 
you know, this herd's doing okay, this herd's struggling, this herd's doing good, and they uh, do it accordingly, and it doesn't matter to them because our herds can sustain it, but I don't believe that either. So, uh, A, make guys harvest report or, or just hunt report in general, whether they kill or not. Um, B, make residents choose a region. And then this will be, you know, here's another topic, and this will be uh, controversial. I would make residents choose their weapon. In in other words, you know, you can have your over-the-counter deer tag in region G, let's say, um, but you have to choose. Do you want to go bow hunt uh, or do you want the rifle? And let's even say that they, if they do that, they let the bow hunters, instead of going from September 1st to the 15th or 14th or whatever it is currently, they let them go the entire month of September and overlap with the hunters. I don't know. Um, or they push the rifle hunters back to October 1st and, you know, or something like that, whatever. But I would, I would be in favor. Um, you know, it would, it would make guys choose. I'm all about these days, you know, even if it's an over the counter opportunity, just making people choose. I really like how Idaho makes you choose the initial fork in the road is, do you want to apply for the deer, elk, and antelope category, or do you want to apply for moose, sheep, goat, bison, once-in-a-lifetime stuff um, in Idaho? I think they have bison. I don't know if they actually do. Moose, sheep, goat, uh, whatever else they have over there. Uh, or, you know, or so y- you you can't apply for either. And if you apply early for sheep tag, let's say, you not only can't apply for moose and goat as well, but you also can't apply at all for deer, elk, and antelope later. This is the limited draws. And I really like that. And because of that, guess what? If you're serious about drawing a sheep tag, like it's not great odds, but the best odds that you're going to get, especially as a non-resident who isn't going to go pay for just buying a hunt, is the Idaho sheep tag right that's there's no points and people have to choose so many times to get there that it's only the guys that are hardcore diehard um sheep hunters that are applying for that and you have to front the money i think so that you know that probably whittles down a few too but anyway um so i'm not i'm not talking about taking away opportunity but i am talking about making people choose you know and and maybe they don't get the full benefit package just from one tag um, you know, to help alleviate some pressure or kill less bucks or whatever it ends up accomplishing. So anyway, that's my rant and I'm sticking to it. Um, let's see. Oh, this is cool. So yeah, just a quick work trip down to New Mexico for that, uh, antelope class that we do every year. It's so much fun. I love it. But, um, one thing that we finally made time for is we just had a few extra minutes uh, on our way out, and we um, we stopped and smelled the roses, so to speak. We the Whittington Center has uh, this iconic white buffalo target, and you know, with well, let me explain it first. So it's a it's a general to, to size target, which is this is mind blowing in and of itself. Cause I didn't believe it when, when I got there and they showed us the target was six feet tall by 10 feet wide. I'm like, well, that's clearly bigger than a Buffalo. No, that's not six feet by 10 feet is like the general dimensions of a freaking Buffalo. 
anyway, um, and so they put this thing though out at like 1123 yards and it's, it's this iconic, you know, I went to the Whittington and I shot the white Buffalo. So that being said, it's never really interested me at least because frankly hitting a six foot by 10 foot piece of steel at, you know, at 1100 is, it's just not that hard with the guns that we have. Right. Um, and so it was, Oh, whatever. Like that's fun. You know, and they do have a tiny little, um, you know, kill zone, uh, circle steel that, you know, it's probably 10 or 12 inches that you could focus on and really, but like, that's, you know, you just hit the, the steel and you did it kind of a thing. However, when your buddy from work brings down his, you know, authentic Shiloh Sharps 4570 open sight, uh, and we go up and you, and we, he wants to shoot it with that and ask you if you want to shoot it too. Now we're talking about a, that's an accomplishment, right? So I got very interested in that. We went up, took us all one, anywhere from one to now. Yeah, it, it took a little, you know, dialing in once, but once we got it where we knew we were, you know, in the vicinity and we had the dope, right? He actually didn't have enough travel in his rear uh, peep. And so to make matters worse, we weren't looking through the peep. We were resting the front post just on top of the top of the rear peep, if that makes sense. So, you know, clear out of the peep and then the, the top, uh, the top edge of the circle of the peep is where we were, is our aiming point. And so, you know, you've got a substantial amount of left and right there that just made it extremely hard. But we still, uh, all five of us within one to five shots is the most it took anybody. Um, we hit that thing at 1123 with a, with a black powder, 4570 sharps open sights. That was freaking sweet. And now guess what? I want a freaking sharps rifle and that's not good. So, um, but that was cool, man. If you've ever been down there or ever passing through, uh, Raton, we call it Rat Hole, but it's Raton, New Mexico, uh, near the Whittington Center. I would highly recommend stopping in and um, try giving that a try or try some of their other shooting courses. But, uh, man, that's about it. That really quite uh, sums it up. Um, just, you know, taking one last deep breath before things get extremely you know just i won't be able to see straight coming and going from some of these uh hunting trips and uh got you know i don't know a week and a half here a week there you know a few days here whatever off so um should be fun hopefully you know i get kind of so into this these couple spots and a few deer that i've got the few deer that i have scouted maybe i can go turn them up the good news is i I've never got the impression that a lot of, I actually haven't, no, that's not true. I bow hunted in there in the same spot last year. Um, never saw anyone else hunting. Don't get the impression that a lot of guys hunting here. There are not a lot of deer. That's probably why, but there are enough deer and there's, you know, enough decent bucks. So, you know, maybe it'll just be a nice, relaxed, quiet little, uh, you know, hunt just chasing a, chasing a good buck around and hopefully get him on the ground it's been too long since i killed a good mule deer so that needs to happen 
Okay, really appreciate you guys. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the the business. Is really the only way you can support me. <laughs> you know, the podcast free. I'll keep doing that. Uh, no sponsors. This is the place you come when you just want to click on a episode. And I and I know you get my little plug sometimes about the backpack food, but um, you know that it, it's just me, man. Like it's just me and me alone, me and my wife or whatever, basically. And Jason, my brother. So. Uh, but we appreciate it. We appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. Good, good freaking luck this year. Like just, you know, remember what, whatever it is, remember what it is about, you know, remember why you're out there. Not, not what anyone else has said or what anyone else thinks it's about, but just have fun. Uh, remember that muleys matter. (laughs) Uh, don't be afraid to eat a tag you know, hook up with the guys at Epic at the end of the year, send your tag back in. Again, that being said, I really pray in that I'm not that guy. I hope I don't have a mule deer tag at the end of the year uh, because that means, you know, good things happen, but not, you know, not just tipping over any old deer to tip one over. Um, that's also good, good for everybody all the way around, I think. So anyway, appreciate it. Catch you guys on the next one. Good luck. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.